The best tech conference of the year is coming to Las Vegas, November 28th through December 2nd, and MongoDB will be there. Check us out at booth 1611 for prizes, swag, and to learn all about the Atlas Developer Data Platform. Can't make it to the show but still want to enjoy the fun? Check out the MongoDB live stream for live interviews and discussions of all the exciting announcements from the show. Visit mongodb.com slash reinvent for more information. The bottom-up insurgency also is in line with the top-down strategy, and, and this gets part of the evolution. We have been digitalizing our core, of which Mongo's been such an important part, and yet we've also been doing the way we're interacting and Mongo allowed us at an amazing pace to basically onboard very high quality APIs to basically facilitate our integration with these clients and to be able to launch them on time. Welcome to the podcast. That's the voice of Bernie Gracie, Chief Digital Officer at Ajiro. He joins us today with JP Daybolt, Principal Software Architect at Ajiro. Ajira's platform and services power the next generation of software-enabled driver safety services and technology. They're pushing the limits of big data to transform the entire driving experience. And today, Bernie and JP join us to talk about the stack that they've built, the results they're achieving, and how MongoDB played a part in that. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hi there. I'm Owen Brazel from MongoDB University. When creating applications, it's important your users have trust that their data is safe by dedicating just one hour of your time to taking our A300 Atlas Security course. You'll gain the skills necessary to ensure best-in-class security for your MongoDB Atlas deployments. Enroll and take the free online course at your convenience at university.mongodb.com. You're listening to the MongoDB Podcast. MongoDB Podcast. Exploring the world of software development, data, and all things MongoDB. And now your hosts, Michael Lynn and Nick Raboy. Bernie Gracie and JP Daybolt, welcome to the show. It's great to have you on the podcast. Thank you for having us. Good. Yeah, it's good to be here. Yeah, and of course, as always, we have... Nick Raboy. How you doing, Nick? I am doing great, Mike. Fantastic. So we're talking with Bernie and JP today. They are from Ajiro, a partner of MongoDB. And we're going to talk a little bit about the architecture and the partnership and how Ajiro is using MongoDB in their architecture. So before we go there, Bernie, I wonder if you would start and give us a bit of background. Who are you and what do you do? So... um Bernie Gracie, I like to call myself the chief cook and bottle washer uh, for Ajero. Uh, my title is chief digital officer, uh, but I have a, my group spans a, a wide variety of roles. Uh, it starts, we have sales engineering on the front end of the engagement, a tremendous architecture team of which JP is a part of, numerous engineering squads that are basically helping to deliver our value, and a client implementation team that actually help uh, onboard our clients onto our services. So a really broad portfolio. And a key focus of mine is how we are digitalizing our offerings. So we have a, a very crack team, very proud of what we've accomplished in 2020. Terrific. And it sounds like, JP, you're part of that team. Do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah. So my name is JP Daybolt. I'm a principal software architect here at Ajiro. I've been with Ajiro for coming up on six years now. Um, mm -hmm. Before that, I spent 15 years in the Marine Corps. And um, the 
basically the what I do is try to you know provide our teams uh, the information, the tooling, um, essentially the the paved road to help them um, move forward quickly with solutions, um, and you know basically and try to give myself some of the same heartache that they give that they, they get so that I know this, the same sort of pains that they're going through. Fantastic. But let, let me add on top of that, what JP is, is a force multiplier. What uh, JP and this architecture team is actually helping to develop the architectural frameworks and patterns and how to actually bring code to life that makes hundreds of engineers productive. So the impact that he's had has been tremendous. Fantastic. And tell us about Ajiro. What, what is the industry that Ajiro is in? Yeah, so uh, Ajiro is the leader in white label driver assistance services. So uh, think roadside assistance, accident management, connected vehicle service, and consumer affairs. Uh, we're, a, we're like a multi-sided platform. On one side are the largest insurance companies and automotive companies. On the other side of our platform are thousands of independent towing, roadside assistance, repair, and other affiliated services. And we basically help customers who are in moments of pain 12 million times a year to be able to get back on the road safely. Great. And how long have you been working with MongoDB? JP? So I think uh, we started with MongoDB back in 2015. Um, mm -hmm. early days, um, we were running our, our own replica sets, uh, on premise actually in virtual okay. machines. Great. And, uh, so yeah, so that was pre MongoDB Atlas. Um, so you had MongoDB in your data centers and can you tell me a little bit about, um, I guess this is for JP, how you're using MongoDB today? Yeah. So MongoDB is used, um, you know, we, we follow a very, um, polyglot, um, data store. And so we try to, to pick the best data store for the job. And primarily we use MongoDB as our uh, document store of choice, um, especially around um, serverless and microservice applications that we have. Mm -hmm. And was MongoDB brought in as part of a, a re-architecture or uh, was it added um, you know, piecemeal as you began to build out new applications? So MongoDB was brought in um, as Bernie likes to say, through a developer-led insurgency in, in the organization. So, um, oh, I need to hear about this. So, tell me more about this insurgency. <laughs> so, so basically, um, as we started to um, determine that we wanted to move away from the monolith, uh, developers started migrating out uh, into the cloud and into uh, their own database of choice. And given that it was a de developer-led, and MongoDB is the one of the developer. Uh, probably the developer's choice of databases. So that was kind of a de facto uh, decision that was made at that point. Mm -hmm. But I think it's important to add that the, the bottom up insurgency led down, led uh, also is in line with the top down strategy. And, and this gets part of the evolution. You know, we had, um, we had a, a, a monolith that had existed for quite some time. It's done its job, but it was a monolith and it was a monolith that was primarily servicing one intake scheme, which was a telephone call someone requesting roadside assistance, you know, um, you know, for help from a mobile phone or their home phone. But as our clients were digitally transforming and we were looking to digitally transform, having something so tightly tied to an agent experience did not make sense. Yet there were a number of business rules and logic that we wanted to basically unlock the value so we could actually 
create multiple ways for interaction to drive an omni-channel interaction. So we knew we wanted to slay the monolith to basically break the back end into microservices and, and now into you know to serverless components where now we could basically operate at a whole new scale as well as omni-channel. So that was our top-down strategy. And meanwhile, the architecture team and the developers said, wait a minute, you, I now understand the goal. Here's how we want to do it. And, mm. uh, and that's, that's where JP came in. Mm. So what was the, the process like transitioning from the monolith to uh, the microservice and serverless approach? Uh, was, it, was it seamless or did you go through any kind of hurdles? Um, maybe shed some light onto that. There were, there were hurdles because um, uh, it actually was a sort of a two-step process. We were a monolith in a data center, and we were also moving to the cloud, right? So we, we made the determination that we're moving from the data center to the cloud. We have to be an extraordinarily highly available platform. We're an emergency services company, right? We're serving, you know, 112 million drivers out there um, that, that, that may be calling us on a moment's notice. So recognizing what we were doing was a cloud transformation and an architectural transformation all at the same time. So there were core learnings. Mm. JP, what would you add? Um, basically, you know, that as we migrated um, into MongoDB, um, we took some of the same practices that we'd had um, with shared uh, databases, shared architecture. Um, and because it's what we knew, that's how we started initially using MongoDB. So we had a lot of applications that were using the same replica sets. And we did definitely run into some hurdles there um, when it came to things like noisy neighbors, um, one application getting out of control that would uh, impact other applications on the same database. So. Hmm. So how has the industry, you know, the changes that are that's happening in that industry affected you specifically um, I, I can imagine there's there's quite a bit happening, especially now with the pandemic. Um, how how has that how, how have these events changed what you're doing? Well, I would say in some ways, and this is why again I'm extraordinarily proud of my team. Um, obviously, the contact center with all our digital interaction um, is still a, a very important part of what we do. And because of our choice of moving to the cloud early and adopting Slack and other collaboration tools and, and creating Zoom rooms when we moved into our new headquarters, we got everyone home in a week. All our developers, wow. all our contact center people, not a blip in service, and we're able to move on. So mm. it really showed that we become a digital company in, in many fronts. And as I, mm. as I said earlier, we had, we've had a great year. Um, we've, we've integrated two acquisitions and continue to deliver value for our company. So that's the sort of the Ajero story, but around us, you know, our, our clients are continuing to innovate. So, you know, we have new insure techs that are connected to our platform that are mobile only, you know, per use space insurance companies that look at roadside as a, as an adjacency, they're consuming our APIs to basically allow that to happen. We have auto OEMs, which are deploying more and more connected vehicles where, you know, I, I drive a Jeep Wrangler um, and I can connect roadside, ask for roadside right from my telematics screen, right? Just uh, and interact there. Others are hitting the button um, in, uh, in, the, uh, in the compartment in their vehicle. And then obviously so many people now have apps that are tied to the brands where they can now request our services by an app. And we've also launched our own mobile web app, right? So that if we are, mm -hmm. if you're calling in, 
from a mobile phone, we recognize that. We ask your permission to send you a text message. It basically launches a lightweight application that provides certain audio nudges to help the, the customer identify the problem where they're at in a completely self-service manner. So we have been digitalizing our core of which Mongo has been such an important part. And yet we've also been doing the way we're interacting, you know, through all our stakeholders. So, so I'm curious, um, is uh, a Jiro being used internationally or is it just North America? So um, there is more and more international. So our core, Ajero, is international, but we've also gone quite public. And this is a, another critical uh, transaction that we made. So as JP was talking about unlocking the value of our assets and moving to microservices and to serverless components of which Mongo plays a part in our document data store, we also acquired a company in California, Swoop, which was a SaaS software company. And we've now basically married these microservices and serverless components with this SaaS platform, which has accelerated our digital transformation and has now allowed us to become a software company. And we're now taking all these lessons and capabilities, what we've done for Ajero, and now we're offering these same services to other non-competing international companies where for Ajero, we have a contact center, we have our software, we have a network of, of these thousands of, of fabulous service providers. Well, other companies have a contact center and a network, but they need new software. Now they're leveraging our software. So we're stay tuned. It's a great, it's a great story. Fantastic. I remember when the Washington Post was bought by Amazon, they thought, all right, we're going to re-platform. And what are they doing? They're also selling their platform to other newspapers. We're mm. kind of doing the same thing. So tell me a little bit about the data that you're hosting, whether it be for a white label or for a, for a partner of yours. Is there PII involved? And what kind of concerns do you have around security? So PII is obviously, you know, when, to be able uh, to provide our service, um, we have to be able, in fact, this is actually, I think, a great thing. One of the APIs, or Mongo, was, was critical is our profile API. We have to determine coverage. Right. So if you call up and you're, you and you say, hey, look, I paid uh, for this coverage through my insurance company or I was granted coverage when I bought this car, an extended warranty. We have to know who you are, what you're driving to determine how you're covered. Um, what we like to be able to do is to reach into our client systems to minimize the PII and then they give us the yes, no. But there's some complex rules to determine that coverage. Others will give it to us in a load file and then we'll be able to have that, you know, uh, to, to be able to do that determination and we have to be able to, to save that. But JP, why don't you talk about profile search and, and how Mongo played a part in that? Yeah, so the, the profile API that, that Bernie mentioned, you know, we are reaching out to uh, our clients in order to, to obtain customer profile information. Um, I'm sure you can imagine it does contain quite a bit of PII. Um, mm -hmm. And that, that information does get stored in Mongo because we have to, you know, snapshot um, what a particular profile looked like at the time of service. Um, and so we do have uh, some field level encryption that we have implemented um, that gets stored into Mongo. And then Mongo itself being uh, encrypted at rest and encrypted in transit uh, helps us protect that PII data basically from the time that we ingest it until the time that we store it in the database. Hmm. And, and how big are the databases? How much data are you storing? Um, so there's a number of different databases that we have, obviously, for d different applications. Um, and some of them are, you know, fairly small, less than a gig, kind of used as uh, scratch type data. 
uh, that's used just for the operation of a particular API, maintaining its internal state, et cetera. Um, and then some of the databases we have are uh, a few hundred gigs uh, of data that we have um, that's transactional or log data um, that's being persisted. Mm -hmm. So you're today you're leveraging, you've, you've gone off-prem and you're leveraging MongoDB Atlas completely? Yes, we are. Oh, great. Um, can you talk a little bit about the uh, the, the DevOps lifecycle and, and the deployment model? Are you using infrastructure as code or uh, any configuration management in addition to MongoDB Atlas? Uh, yes. So we, we at this point in time, we're not utilizing um, the DevOps for the instantiation of the new databases. Um, that's something that we definitely want to move into um, as far as our DevOps goes, because we do have a very strong DevOps culture here at Ajiro. Uh, but we do uh, rely heavily on DevOps practices around the administration of Atlas itself, such as uh, the security rules as far as who's allowed to uh, ingress into the Atlas clusters. Um, and so a lot of that is you know, stored uh, in a Git repository and deployed via the uh, Atlas API calls. More, more on the uh, continuous deployment processes and, and see if you were using like uh, tools like CloudFormation or Terraform and things like that. Yeah, so um, we we rely heavily on CloudFormation being an AWS shop, yeah. but one of the things that uh, as an architecture team we don't particularly like um, is the verbosity of CloudFormation templates. Uh, they can get pretty, yeah. pretty intense and pretty crazy, especially if you're handing it off to a development team and asking them to, to move forward um, with it. So we use the serverless.com framework uh, as an abstraction on top of the cloud formation uh, because it provides uh, plugin functionality. So we can provide, we can write plugins that have security rules written um, as part of the plugin and basically have a team do an NPM install of a plugin and be able to deploy uh, a microservice, deploy a Lambda function, deploy, you know, any you name the the AWS resource, and you said serverless.com. Is this uh, is this the same thing as server serverless framework? It I is a the, serverless the, framework. The I just yeah, I say right. serverless.com because <laughs> serverless is a very overloaded term. So, absolutely. I'd like to talk a little bit about the the business impact. So, uh, I'm just wondering what other areas of the business has uh, you know the partnership with MongoDB impacted. So I, I can speak. Um... The, the, from the business perspective, we've recently done an acquisition. And it's part of that acquisition, we have had to uh, onboard, uh, it was an asset purchase, numerous clients uh, into our portfolio. Some of these clients presented some very unique challenges in that, um, as I was, I was speaking about our digitalization and the integration that's occurring, some of these uh, clients were very integration heavy. And we needed to basically, for two of the clients, build out 15 new real-time APIs to them that we are heavily, heavily integrating. And these frameworks that basically JP uh, has created and Mongo allowed us at an amazing pace to basically onboard very high quality APIs to basically facilitate our integration with these clients and to be able to launch them on time, which at the pace that uh, we were operating, people were like, is this even possible? Um, we've, it is literally the combination of MongoDB, the frameworks and patterns that JP has just described, our DevOps frameworks, and, and now uh, I would say our, our uh, tremendously capable engineers that this is all basically unlocked the value 
they could focus on the business problems and be able to deliver excellence. So it's really improved our velocity. Okay. So in this new world, you're obviously using a, a different set of tools, perhaps, perhaps some of the developers that, that are in your, in your world are, are comfortable with MongoDB, but many may not be. What are you doing to make sure that your developers and engineers are, are up to speed on this, uh, on the new frameworks that you're using? So I want to kind of pull back from something that a JP talked about earlier and we said, Hey, we're, you know, we're doing microservices. Now we're doing everything in serverless. You know, think about four years ago, we were an on-prem .NET, you know, dual data center company. And now we're a highly available, you know, uh, active, active in the cloud, um, you know, highly available environment. We knew when we made that journey that L and D was a critical component. And it's not just a one-time effort, it's an always effort, especially with the degree of innovation, you know, companies like Mongo are doing. Um, and so we began the cloud journey with L&D and it has never stopped. And when I introduced JP as a force multiplier earlier, it's not only in developing best-in-class architectural frameworks and best-in-class DevOps frameworks, it's literally about what can I do meeting JP and the architecture team to continually upskill and up-level uh, all of the capabilities that we need to do to deliver value to our clients. So I want to hand it to JP because he's been so central to our success in 2020 in that, in that continued journey. Thanks, Bernie. So, um, you know, as we um, introduce new tooling, new frameworks, new technologies into the organization, um, the, the architecture team, we're usually the ones that are at the forefront of, of trying to, you know, break our nose by bashing our heads against the wall repeatedly, trying to figure out how these uh, technologies integrate, because uh, that's usually where the pain point is, is how you actually get, um, how you get them integrated into an API and produce, start producing some business value. So when we go through that pain and that process, um, one thing we do is we try to codify our learnings by producing libraries, by producing um, modules that other people can can pull in and essentially get our learning for free. But the other thing that we try to do is, um, you know, put out training videos internally, um, host uh, coding sessions uh, with a number of developers that we record and publish internally uh, in order to try to keep everybody's um, game up and provide our, our learnings across the organization. Fantastic. So not only providing the playbook uh, the, the, the menu of tools and services available to them, but also ensuring that they understand how to use them. Fantastic. I, and I would add my engineering leaders, when they look at 2020 and we talk about critical X factors for the success that we've had this year, they all look with the partnership uh, with the architecture team, JP and his boss, Jeff Duran in particular, uh, for what they did to, you know, to basically allow them to deliver the impossible this year, which is what they did. So I'm curious, was MongoDB the only alternative you looked at? I know there was a kind of a pull in this direction from your engineering team, but are there, were there other options that you considered? Y yes, there were absolutely other options that we considered. And not only did we consider, but uh, you may want to put your, your, your fingers in your ears, but there's other options that we use as well in our, our, our polyglot uh, ecosystem. So um, so I guess the, the natural, natural next question would be, you know, why then why MongoDB? But it sounds like you're using quite a few yeah, so we one of the things we try to do is select the, the best in class uh, for a particular solution. Um, and MongoDB is the best in class when it comes to document data stores, uh, especially when you start dealing with uh, geographic data and uh, data that requires um, not just a key value lookup, but that requires complex indexing um, and the ability to 
join multiple uh, collections together. So in, in regards to uh, it being a popular choice with your developers, I mean, did they happen to, as they were ramping up uh, to get more familiar with MongoDB, did they by chance happen to touch upon our university uh, platform at all? Or Yes, actually, we had um, quite a few of our developers have gone through MongoDB University um, and done some of the training. So what other, so MongoDB Atlas, uh, it's obviously a platform, uh, but there are other tools and, and services available in there. Are you are you leveraging backend services through Realm? So at this point, we are just consuming MongoDB Atlas itself. Um, mm -hmm. Although we are actually currently in the process of doing some um, investigations into using um, the Realm GraphQL layer that's on top of collections, because that is potentially a multiplier in providing or a force multiplier in, in producing uh, GraphQL uh, servers uh, on the data. Yeah, greatly simplifying a the, the entire API stack for sure. How about in the mobile space? Are you using anything? Um, or do you have any mobile apps in your in your suite of uh, apps that you develop? Again, we're a white label uh, company, and the, the mobile apps that uh, that uh, companies interact with are the insurance companies and the OEM companies and they're consuming our APIs. So, I mean, during your, your digital transformation, I mean, have, have these insurance companies and, and the companies that use your white label product, have they experienced uh, improvements in their overall experience um, during this process? Yeah. In fact, one of the things we're excited about, um, as I said, also that we have sort of this, uh, a web app that we do in, in trying to transform a phone call. We're very pleased that our product managers own those experiences, have been advising our insurance clients and our automotive clients about what we believe is best practices with regards to the experience and helping to shape what those are on these, on these iconic brands' websites or uh, mobile, mobile applications. So it's a source of great pride for us. That we're, we're almost like a test, as JP was saying, you know, they're the test bed for the rest of the developers where he bashes his head against the wall. In many ways, we're sort of like, as we've had the shift left in our digital transformation, our clients get the benefit of our learnings as well as they go through their own digital and mobile transformation. Speaking of learnings, any recommendations for folks, you know, traveling along the same path that you've gone? Any uh, pitfalls that you would, you would have liked to have avoided? <laughs> Yes. So as I alluded to earlier, um, when we first moved into using MongoDB, when we were still hosting it ourselves, uh, we were using a single replica set for a num number of applications. Um, and the, uh, the noisy neighbor problem um, that came out of that, where one application could impact other applications, um, was, was actually, I think, the direct result of us relying on defaults rather than necessarily understanding um, the MongoDB down through the stack. So mm -hmm. default connection string values, um, I believe I, at the time, I don't know if they still are, were a minimum of one and a maximum of 100 per connection or per pool. And so mm -hmm. what would happen as we moved first into the cloud and we started dealing with auto-scaling applications, um, as an application auto-scaled out, um, we would have 600 to 1,000 new connections trying to be established in the same millisecond which is not great for compute on it on any database so ill-advised yes very much so so keeping yeah. keeping in mind uh you know connection pooling um the the settings for the drivers um and as you're moving between different applications so what works for you know a, a monolith application where you have one thing that doesn't scale out 
and just maintains a giant pool of connections is not the not going to be the same as when you're dealing with a serverless application that only needs you know one to three connections open to the database and can scale out to thousands of concurrent invocations. So, so definitely understand those default connection string settings. Anything anything else that you would recommend for developers that are that are beginning beginning to look at um, digitalization and a shift to the cloud? One, I would say MongoDB Atlas is probably the, the place where I would land first now, rather than trying to run it ourselves, um, simply because of, you know, you, you no, no longer have the cost of operations, um, which is huge, especially when you have development or developer-led efforts, because developers are not necessarily uh, the strongest in their operations backgrounds. And so not having to worry about managing servers uh, is definitely a plus. Yeah, this is, this is actually a really important point. Um, one of the things I always talk to the team about is core versus context, right? And what what should we be focusing on? Because then we're a white label roadside assistance company. And you say, what are the set of skills and capabilities we need to do to provide service to our clients? And a cloud database as a service capability allows us to focus on value and allows you to kind of help manage those services underneath for us so we can stay focused on the value. So to JP's point, it's a good use of capital for us and focus. Uh, about where we can, you know, how we how we mm. create that value. Yeah. Microservices, are you all in when it comes to serverless or are you using other uh, technologies as well, like uh, Docker and Kubernetes type scenarios? So our focus is on providing um, the the functionality, which for the most part for us works well in this in serverless. We do look at using uh, Docker and Kubernetes, and we do incorporate them into um, you know some of our dev practices and everything else. But when it comes to actually uh, deploying, our general rule of thumb is third-party hosted things that we need to run that don't have cloud offerings or as-a-service offerings will run in Kubernetes uh, or Docker. But things that we're managing ourselves um, and building ourselves, uh, serverless is we're all in on, on the serverless. And we, we were very early adopters um, in serverless, and, and now that, that framework has been adopted widely within the team. And it's and we believe it's given us a competitive advantage, not only in cost, but our ability to scale delivery. Yeah, it, it certainly sounds like your thought leaders in that space. So um, I, I'd like to ask you, what's what's next? What's on the, the horizon, the roadmap for, for your platform? So, yeah, I, as I said, the, you know, we um, not only are we leveraging and unlocking the value of the of the serverless components and other microservices that JP and my engineering team has done, but we're accelerating the marriage of, of those services with the uh, company we bought in San Francisco, Swoop, uh, as to accelerate digital transformation. So we're bringing more and more of our volume from our legacy platform onto Swoop. And Swoop, again, with its set of APIs and other capabilities is allowing us to participate and other ecosystems where we're creating even more value for our clients. And our clients are also pushing us to be more digital, not only in the context of what we're doing in the US, but obviously what's happening in Europe. So it's a very, very exciting time for us. Very, very exciting time. Well, I think we've we've covered it all. It's been a great conversation. I want to thank you gentlemen for spending some time with us. Is there anything else you'd like to, to cover before we we conclude? I can't wait for 2020 to be over. <laughs> you and me both. And I can't wait. And I can't wait to get the shot. <laughs> yes. Line me up. I'm ready. <laughs> yeah. But thank you for the opportunity. I really appreciate you spending time with us. Is there uh, somewhere you would like to send folks if they want to find out more information? 
Yeah, I'd say go to www.agero.com, A-G-E-R-O. Fantastic. And then how about um, how about you, JP? Are you out, out there on the social media space? Uh, you can find me out there. I'm not very active. Okay. So. <laughs> but if you, if you want to ping me, I'll, I'll probably respond. Well, thanks again, gentlemen. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Thanks so much to JP and to Bernie. Had a great discussion. If you want to learn more about the Agero platform, visit www.agero.com. That's A-G-E-R-O. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe. Have a question or a suggestion for the show? Visit us in the MongoDB community forums at community.mongodb.com. The best tech conference of the year is coming to Las Vegas, November 28th through December 2nd, and MongoDB will be there. Check us out at booth 1611 for prizes, swag, and to learn all about the Atlas Developer Data Platform. Can't make it to the show but still want to enjoy the fun? Check out the MongoDB live stream for live interviews and discussions of all the exciting announcements from the show. Visit mongodb.com reinvent for more information.